Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. I'm brought to the programme today, a guy I've wanted to bring in for such a long time um, because he likes Afrobeat probably more than I do. So much so he's writing a book about it. He's a writer, he's a cultural curator, and he's also a journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Juju Music, Christian Adafo. Welcome, brother. Yeah, How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. How, how are you keeping amidst all this? Oh, bro. Uh, basically, I'm trying to celebrate my Friday night, so I try and keep it routine. It's now sort of six o'clock because we're pre-recording the show. I've got a glass of wine and a glass of water just beneath it. It's all about balance. How are you keeping? All right. That's relatively fine. I've um, just found it you know, a very kind of reflective period just to, I guess, I love digging for music anyway, but I guess just before this happened, I um, kind of wasn't doing that as much. So it's finding the time just to go back, listen to old old tunes, tunes I've missed and just getting back on reading and obviously with this book that's forthcoming as well, just you know, just keep banging out those uh, chapters as well. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to talk to you about uh, the book you're writing because it's a bit of a journey from Afrobeat to the new Afrobeats and there's a huge distinction. It isn't there. But um, I just want to touch on what you were saying there um, about listening to music. I-, I find it the same, you know. I've literally got my old records out and you know what? Living in London... We never quite find time because we're basically listening to music on the go. And it's just so, so nice mm. to be able to stick a record on and actually listen to it in full. Is that what you're doing as well? Yeah, I think it's something to do with, for me, I guess, every yeah. single song I have or physically bought, it kind of solidifies a part of your life or where you were at a particular time. So when I'm able to you know, sit back and be kind of solitary without being in transit or in a move and, I, and I'm listening to this music, I'm immediately just like taken back to that to that, that festival I went to or that club I was at or, you know, where I was on my own or people were around me, but we still had such a good time connecting with music. So I think this has been a great time to just uh, to reconnect in, in that sense, yeah. Yeah, how important is music to your life uh, in general day-to-day? I know I don't want to sound hyperbolic here, but, like, generally, if, if I didn't have any kind of sound or, or kind of movement or any kind of rhythm, then I'll be, be done out here. <laughs> I lie to you. <laughs> I lie to you. Because I guess... From from a young age, I guess from like year year no even younger than that, my dad used to always buy records when they used to, albums used to come out on every Monday. Every single time after school, I'd come back home and it'd be like at least five new albums across different genres. And you know maybe I wasn't the biggest fan of some of them at the time, but the fact that you know someone was so open and able to kind of share what music meant to them, moving from a different country and still holding his memories of someone being young and passing it down to your, your children is like a massive thing. That's why I guess these days. When you hear people talking about, oh, how do you get into music or how do you like music? People always kind of refer back to your mum or dad's you know, record collection as a start point. Oh, massive. Like, I think music is actually so intrinsic to West African culture. I know you're Ghanaian, I'm Nigerian. Uh, and, you know, the, the music we're going to be talking about is actually split between both countries. It, it goes a bit further afield, but pre- predominantly high life and Afrobeat 
kind of started in Nigeria and Ghana. I, I, I dare to say even started in Ghana, Ghana first. Nigerians probably won't like me saying that. But I, I really want to talk about this book that you're writing because you, you are basically looking into the journey from Afrobeat to Afrobeats. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please? So for me, it kind of started when I finished university. And I guess this is around the time of the kind of uni rave era where there was a lot of kind of like funky and Afrobeats as it is now in its form. And they were playing like old school kind of high life, hip life classics in, in these clubs. And I never actually got to enjoy it as an adult until I went to university. So when I finished, I, and I kind of wrote like a, a blog post about these songs, which I remind, which reminded me of kind of growing up. And those hall parties and, you know, the aunties all you know, dressed in the nines and the kids running around playing football with coat cans and stuff like that. So after that, I continued to share that enthusiasm for the music and actually trying to learn more about um, the artists behind the music and the artwork, etc. So I guess about a year ago, Magdalene, who's the you know, wonderful editor of the A Quick Thing On series, she got in contact and asked if I wanted to um, contribute a book on, on Afrobeats as part of the, the whole series. And I thought, you know, in this current time where um, it's modern kind of contemporary incarnation of African music, it's got so much like uh, uh, press and, and support it's good to kind of contextualise where it's come from and um, speak a bit more about the conditions in which the music was created as well, yeah. Yeah, honestly, um, for me, I, I created Juju Music uh, because for, for that very reason, to be honest, because I, I believe there's something really beautiful about the origins of West African music, especially from a particular period. And I, a lot of the music I was hearing when I was younger was the likes of Fela Kuti, um, Dele Sosimi, whatnot, um, King Sonny Ade, for, for instance, who's you know pioneer of Juju Music in itself. Um, and I always remember that the beats, the sounds, the organic rhythms, and that's what actually spurred me on to start a radio show. It's also what spurred me on to do a, a bit of a club night. Now, now, from your point of view, do you think there's a lack of knowledge from the younger generation who are into the likes of, you know, African Boy or, or whatever, of the old stuff, the fella, the Delisosomies and all that kind of stuff? Do you, re- do you reckon there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lag there where people actually don't really remember the, the older stuff or pay homo- enough homage to the older stuff? I feel like they'd probably know, but they wouldn't know by name. I think that's what I'm finding a lot with um, a lot of this music because it would sound familiar to them. And then, you know, for me... Especially, you know, it re- would rekindle the memory of, of being younger. So, when I was kind of going in the past and digging, like I often didn't know the, the tunes myself by name. But I, I kind of, as soon as I heard the the kind of polyrhythms or a guitar riff or brass, instantly I could place myself younger. But obviously, didn't know the name. I think there is a growing appetite now to to look back and and understand more about where the context of the whole development of, I guess, Halaf and, and Afrobeat kind of um, came from. Yeah, for sure, man. And I don't know about you, but when you do listen to the older stuff, do you just find yourself being transported into like, you know, back end of Lagos, back end of Accra, you know, like, you know, because those, those you, you mentioned the, the, the rhythms there. I find myself almost quite hypnoti- hypnotized by it, like because those are continuous rhythms or, or drum loops or guitar loops, continuously, 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 and they are genuinely there just for people to dance. And the vibe is just pure happiness. Yeah, I think you know, I've, I've had a, a few moments, especially like last summer. I went to um, we out here, and they were playing a festival, and they were playing fella. It was gone like like two, three in the morning in this mm-hmm. tent. And like, I had the, the red light on, and the music was going, and everyone was just like 
vibing. I was just like, this is a proper like out of body experience in terms of you know people, the way people were moving to it, the way for me I guess with a lot of this music is that kind of call and response and when you kind of get that that open kind of participation and the anticipation because I guess you have to remind yourself especially with that early high life and Afrobeats um, songs compared to now mm-hmm. you almost have to um, wait until it, the kind of chorus or the singer kind of kicked in yeah it could take of- like 15 minutes exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can make yourself a sandwich, come back, and you'd be like, What's going on here, mate? kind of thing. But, <laughs> but, um, that shows you, I guess, the kind of care they took in, with the different um vocalists and musicians that were in the band to kind of build all those layers to build the, to that sense of crescendo. So it was so when a single would come on, do you know what I mean, they'll be ready to kind of you know, lay it down and just um share what, they, what they've been um, working on. Yeah, and and what what do you make of the the new Afro beats? We, we, we talk about Africa Boy, we talk about Burner Boy, we talk about so many so many different people um, doing amazing music, literally, and it, it's now become global to the point where you're looking at at it on par with American hip hop, for instance. In its t- in, in the amount of money these some of these boys are generating, what do you make of that rise, and why do you think the world has sort of taken to it so much? I think you no, know, there's a couple of things. When I've been doing this book, especially. I always see kind of political events as motivating or having some kind of effect on the music. And I think the one massive thing I've seen, I guess it's just more like a closer relationship between um, the motherland, wherever it may be in, in, on the continent, and the diaspora communities in a way that it never was before. Because, you know, you can take yourself back to when you were younger and if you'd go back to Lagos or you go back to Accra as a young person, and people would assume that, you know, it's because you're wearing these clothes or projecting a sense of image that you're wealthy. But I think all of that in terms of subcultures are completely become like streamlined now and there's lot, and there are lots of different kind of common grounds. So I guess with the, look, with the music as it was before, as Afrobeat and Afrobeats, you know, you've got Pigeon, um, I guess, either Yoruba or Ibo or kind of Akan all fused into one. So it doesn't just stay in within... Um, West Africa per se, but the world. But the massive thing with this Afrobeats now is the, I guess, kind of different kind of iterations of Caribbean uh, patois and London slang as well. So that's like a, a massive thing to unify different people in terms of being able to empower yourself with speaking or singing um, singing in different kind of uh, languages and essentially code switching but being able to feel like you have a sense of ownership of the narrative or the, um, or the soundtrack yeah mate honestly <laughs> i can't wait to read this book um I will, we'll, we'll go into sort of when it's out and all that kind of stuff a little later on but um before you came on i asked you to pick five tunes classically like any good music aficionado <laughs> gave me six <laughs> uh, which is cool, but we'll get through five. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I want you to wanted you to chart through music, the journey from Afrobeats to Afrobeats, so the listeners can really get a, a sense of what we've been talking about, basically. And uh, what is the first track that you picked? Um, so the, the first track is called um, Oman Boadua. I probably butchered the saying, ironically. <laughs> but um, it's for a prominent um, high life, originally high life musician called Nana. Kwame Ampadu, 
And he's someone who's still alive. He's only turned 75, I think, a few weeks ago, actually. Right. And um, he's someone who who's kept the, I guess, oral storytelling traditions of a kind of a, a can tribe together. And he's made over like seven, eight hundred songs wow. as well. So for me, it's quite important to, to, to <laughs> yeah, honestly, to to kind of ground it through his kind of discography and. I guess you, through this tune as well, you hear like the, the kind of classic um, guitar riffs, which kind of have that Latin Spanish influence to a certain extent, and you know, and the, and the brass as well, which is, is so kind of instrumental across the Afrobeat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's play it. Oh my god, that is absolutely beautiful, man. Seriously, that was decent. <laughs> I always like how some of these uh, tracks start. I don't know about you, but I get really geeky about some of the intros. And uh, you know, for me, that was so nice because you, you've got that little bit of a guitar pick, don't you? And a lot of um, high life tunes, or a lot of Afro beat tunes, start with a bit of a, a guitar pick or a, a nice little drum loop at the beginning. Yeah, it's true. And I guess with this, with that one as well, I guess it's the you can hear that woozy kind of pitched up and pitched down sense of the the synth, whatever kind of. Uh, keys it was so it almost it leaves you unsettled and then it kind of flows into it that's just quite it's not kind of a typical of many many songs of that that time if I recall anyway fantastic what, what's your next one um next one is from uh Janet Osei I picked this one because she's someone who you know there's not a lot of information there about her but as a woman especially in African music, especially um, hard life music, at that time, the attitudes were, as you can imagine, quite uh, patriarchal. Mm. So for her to be able to front a band and get her kind of voice heard at the, at the forefront, where there's many, you know, male-dominated different groups, in that sense, was quite important. And I think when you think about... Um, you know, women should be at home, or should, look up, should start a family. And and as well, there was a certain stigma up to a certain point where if women were seen out at clubs, up performing or as a fan, they'd be assumed to be um, a harlot or a prostitute for, by, by virtue of the fact that they were out late at night. Mm. So if, to be able to have someone who's such a figure to have such a rare LP. He's more than just a backup dancer. And her husband was actually in the previous song, the previous uh, track he played, her husband was in that band as well. No, man. So be able to, so have, to, so to be able to kind of be at the forefront and have an LP such as that at that time, is just, it's quite like a, a remarkable thing. All right, let's get to it. Man. You know what? I'm so glad we played a, a tune by a woman because even like when I'm trying to sort of crate dig and trying to find tracks and music for, for either the club night or sometimes a radio show, it actually becomes a bit tricky finding stuff for women. I know there were, there, you know, there, there, there are women out, out there who've done some amazing stuff. Uh, the Lagwaju sisters, I might have even pronounced that wrong, but like, and, and they were very, very good at what they did, but they're few and far between compared to the amount of men or male driven bands that there are, aren't they? Yeah, it's massive. And I think... Once someone once told me, if you want to know what's going on in the house, you ask a, a woman and she'll give you all the information. And I think that there is someone out there and probably numerous figures that 
we don't know about that have kind of contributed massively to being able to to push or bring this music to the forefront. And I, I want to just like make a quick note to like someone like Fella's mom and her yeah. role and being such a massive icon and influence and his kind of outlook on life and being able to speak on things where, you know, so others would have kind of probably fell in line or would have been a bit shy. So that's the kind of impact of, you know, having such a powerful um, woman. Yeah, for sure. Fella's mum was so powerful, man. Seriously, that woman was a matriarch, the ultimate one. And um, long may we celebrate more women in, in Afrobeat and in high life. I'm hopefully going to, over the next uh, couple of shows that I do, try and dig out a lot more uh, female-driven uh, bands and female-driven music. And I should get this right, is the uh, Lijadu Sisters. I'm yes, sorry. That's it. Lijadu Sisters. Oh well, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next track now, brother? Um, next one is um, Party Beats by Incono Tellers. And I picked this one because it's just, I don't know, I'm just an incredible track and I'm not one for superlatives. To be able to, you know, at a time, this is like late 70s, early 80s, you know, oil was rife in Nigeria, you know, mm. the currency is strong and being able to have access to these new um new bits of electronic equipment like synths and, and drum machines but not lose that sense of Africanness in the music and be able to program it in such a way where others will want to copy and understand like how do you do it when it comes to just the boogie or kind of disco genre which is so popular now a lot of kind of great crate diggers are, are, are now kind of going back into the air and realising that there's so many kind of amazing records LPs and um, mm. different records from that, from that time and I picked him because he's someone that um was a very influential producer as well as being an artist in his own right and kind of preceded a lot of the kind of b-boy metronics and electro kind of rap and funk that was to come through his instrumentation and also he was sampled on the latest um album by Tyler the Curator as well yeah hold on a second so we're getting Afrobeats samples in modern current hip-hop yep this is incredible yeah I think the track is yeah, if, if you listen to the album, it's literally he's, he, he's taken the first like three seconds of the the sample he's taken is like the first three seconds of the track, and he's like kind of looped it throughout. Do you know what I love about that is? is that for me, when I hear stuff like that, it just takes me back to what my parents' lives would have been like back in the day. Mm. Um, and actually, just listening to those beats, that's not too dissimilar to what was happening in America back in the day in terms of sound. And I, I love the cross-pollination of, of, of culture. You know, there's black people on one side of the world, there's black people on the other side of the world, all creating the same kind of sound. Massively, and I guess that's what unites it. So as soon as you get to the dance floor, it's that kind of like equator everyone jumps on it and then they realize that that's where the heat is i'm full of metaphors don't know where i got that from but <laughs> <laughs> the heat is i love it uh, you know what um, I, I created a mix um not too long ago and i was looking to a bit of um nigerian disco as well people like steve monite or, mm-hmm. or whatever way you want to what you want to call it and those beats are superb as well and um it, it it just gives you an idea of the richness of talent that was across the pond many would say and one of the things that really does annoy me sometimes is that whenever you get music from west africa north africa anywhere on the continent it's classed as world music or actually to me 
it's just music. Yeah, simple as in it. Because obviously you start labeling stuff like world music, all it just makes you think of is just, I don't know, people with like grey socks wearing sandals, <laughs> eating like watercress and cucumber sandwiches, just clapping yeah. at clapping out of time to something they don't really understand. But this is just more than that, really, do you know what I mean? I can't even imagine what it would have been like in a club hearing that in its prime, where everyone was probably like flexing, like popping. Just pass me a cold Guinness now, bro. Yeah, man. trust me. You know? <laughs> I'm already there, man. I'm already there in spirit. I'll come join you. Right now. All right, what's your next track, man? Uh, next one is um, Premier, Premier Girl by Magic System. When, once you hear those drums, like, it's time to report to the dance floor. I like, don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're, even if you're like, halfway through that kind of kebab stick or whatever, you need to put that down, get up, and just like, get involved because in this kind of kind of current climate where we're focusing so much heavily on kind of west africa and succinctly in nigeria and ghana like that kind of francophone um, influence coming through from other congo and mm. Senegal, but this one's coming through um ivory coast and the context of it being of it being made during like you know very rampant civil war and music as a form of release even the story behind how it got made is it's fascinating itself uh these guys, you know, had to borrow money to get to a studio in like kind of the richer part of mm. um, Abidjan, and then having to to sleep outside the studio for the producer to come to come back. And he came back by chance. Then they like just banged out the tune that night, and then they knew it was a hit when they had these kids or outside the studio they were dancing to the song. And then obviously it travels further after that. You know, after it's released three years, it goes to Paris. Ivory and DJs are playing it, then it kind of blows up there. In terms of early form of, I guess, going viral, that's probably like an example of that. song to stop <laughs> and you know where you were when you heard that tune on the dance floor jesus christ of nazareth oh, that tune is banger my god it's a banger yeah it's a banger please somebody <laughs> you know I, I always think about like cultures and i i, I mean I, I grew up in nigeria and i was born in Le- i was born in ibadan so not too far from lagos and we mo- actually moved to the uk when i was uh, eight years old and all I just remember is parties and dancing. Yeah. And, you know, that's replicated when I came over here and met the sort of the, the Nigerian community here as well. And obviously I've been to Ghanaian parties as well. When the music is on, people are sweating, people are dancing, and that song encapsulates every party I think I've been to in my life. Uh, you know that vibe where you're just like, what is this? What is this? What is this? Honestly, I have to just go out. Honestly, I, like, I've never seen so many, like, you know, people drinking water after and just, like, with their handkerchiefs and just the tissues and stuff. But it's one of those songs where, you know, some songs come in and, you know, certain people, even if this got a lot of room, that people will kind of be reserved and have a son. But this song is a kind of, uh, this song is a kind of one where every single part of your body has to move or react to it in some way. So whether it's through like facial expressions or just like waving or yeah, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous tune. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. What's the final one, man? Where are we going to with this? Uh, This final one is Ojulegba. See, I've been practicing that great term. (laughs) Ojulegba. Um, from um, from originally from Whiskey, but this is the the remix with um, Skepta and Drake, and I picked this one particularly because it kind of shows diaspora in and how the music has moved globally. You know, you've got the original track made by someone referencing a part of 
Lagos, if I'm not incorrect, mm. that's quite busy. And then, you know, you've got someone who's of Nigerian British descent talking about his sense of duality on the track. And, you know, it's quite telling because through all his kind of, through Skepta's early lyrics, he makes a big point of saying, my name's Joseph Jr. Adenugo, like constantly for the last like, 10, 15 years. So to be able to, you know, bring it to a track like that with someone from Nigeria. And then obviously you've got um, Drake who appreciates where the music has kind of come from. He probably doesn't have as much as grounding as, as the other two, but mm. it's just a massive tune where, you know, it's kind of crossed over and people all around the world, you know, when it comes on with that piano refrain, mm. you know, they love it. personifies pretty much modern afro beats do you know what i mean um and i've been to these parties bro (laughs) i want more i want it to carry on and i guess what's really amazing is is the evolution um i I don't know if it was you i was talking to but especially with modern afro beats there's a real london sound to it as well there's a real london centric feel from a diaspora why has that happened i think for me you know we've kind of grown up and seeing what it means for how I guess reggae artists can be appreciated. And this is a moment now where you get that sense of um, witnessing how they were received, but kind of applying that to the context of, you know, London as a melting pot with, you know, starting so many different subcultures, whether it be through through jungle, which has kind of a direct lineage to Jamaican kind of sound system culture, or early kind of high life Afrobeat musicians coming here for school and playing in bands with different people. So yeah, fella came here, obviously. Yeah. Um, he studied medicine and then he dropped out to pick up the sax. Exactly. And, and people like um, OCB, sir, as well, and their kind of connection to, like, an early student population. So I think, you know, when you have people who are, dis- are descendants from African and Caribbean backgrounds, which are essentially, you know, uh, members of the Commonwealth, quote-unquote, as a second generation, like... It's no surprise that everyone's going to add their own kind of little element to this musical moment and, and create something like Afrobeats. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, when is the book out? Or you're not quite sure yet? Where are you with it and all that kind of jazz? So um, I'm quite close to finishing kind of first draft of it. Uh, it should be out early 2021. Hopefully it will stay on track. And I missed all, this, all, the, all the madness that's been going in the minute, but hopefully it should be out um, early 2021. Oh man, can't wait to read the book. Hopefully, mate, you need to have like a sleeve notes with all the tunes that you're talking about as well so people could just pick it out and just like, you know, go out and try and get it on YouTube and stuff like that because that's also what's amazing about um, all the old stuff and the new stuff as well is that it's all on YouTube right now and that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from. You know, I, I click one track and then it takes me to the next one. Get into those like, deep wormholes as if you're in a record shop, but like digitally. Christian, absolute legend, man. Thank you so much for joining us on Soho Radio on Juju Music. Uh, definitely... Go keep an eye out for the book, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you uh, peep it or catch it or grab it when it comes out. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be an absolute banger, just like this interview, brother. Thank you very much for inviting me. And um, you take it easy.